Amen. It's um, always a privilege, great uh, joy to be back here and to preach from this pulpit. This is the, the very first pulpit I ever preached from, um, and so it's a, it's a joy uh, to be back here worshiping uh, with you uh, this morning at Hillview. Um, and so we are going to be turning to Mark chapter 4, and looking, perhaps providentially, the subject of peace and the Lord's peace that he brings to us. We're looking at uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, this was read earlier. Before we jump into the text, I want to tell you a story of a a man that I I know who grew up in one of the schemes that we work in in Edinburgh. They call him Jack, it's not his real name, but Jack grew up in poverty His parents were absent. He was raised by his grandmother, but he started drinking as a young boy and quickly went from drink to drugs like the rest of his friends. His grandmother kicked him out of her home, and his days consisted of sleeping on friends' sofas from one house to the next. Before too long, his habit was so severe, the benefits he got from the government weren't enough to fund it. He began to steal Then he began to deal. His life was in a chaotic death spiral. He couldn't trust anyone. He had nowhere to call home. He was simply living for the next high. One night, a drug deal went bad, and he was left in the stairwell of his flat building, attacked, his head beaten by a golf club, left for dead. When Jack finally left hospital, he was so badly mentally damaged by the attack, he ended up homeless, living on the streets of Edinburgh, discarded and damaged. This was Jack's life, until he started to hang out on the doorsteps of one of our church plants. He met Christians who befriended him, who got to know him, who knew his name, asked about his story. They listened to him. They genuinely cared about him. He was cynical and suspicious at first. He was angry, at times even violent towards them. But this small church invited Jack to join them on their weekend away. Who are these people, he thought, that they would want to even bother with me? It was on that retreat that Jack heard the gospel. He was a sinner, that God is his creator, that Jesus is his rescuer, and that he can find life if he trusts in that man, Jesus. In that moment, Jack believed, and he put his trust and his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I need a rescuer in the storm that is this life. And the storm and the chaos that was Jack's life gave way for an extraordinary peace that comes from knowing Christ. He was still Jack, still battling with his, dick, his addiction, still struggling with mental illness, still rough-looking and rough-speaking. But something changed from that point on. He began to walk with Jesus, and he found peace in the midst of the storm. All of us, many of us, have a story of how the Lord has rescued us from the storm and the chaos of our own lives where we couldn't make sense of the world 
in which we live. But yet it's encountering Jesus that we find real peace. You know, we think of our friends, people we may know, who are fleeing from bombs being cast down on their buildings and their streets in Ukraine right now. I think of Pastor Sasha. He uh, pastors a church plant in a city that's been utterly obliterated. His church building has been destroyed. Every one of his church members, at least the women of children, have fled. How do you pass? How do you continue to pastor a church in that way? I think of Thomas in Warsaw, who is pastoring a church there, where many of his church members are now housing refugees, dealing with real trauma from the abuse that they've suffered. Yesterday, I got a photograph on WhatsApp from a friend of mine, Vlad, who pastors in Romania, and a busload of refugees turned up on their doorstep. We live in a dark and chaotic world. And if we think about the last two years, just think about the last two years, the global pandemic, think about all the, the chaos and the, the stress that that has brought on for many of us. Think about many of us have lived through a global pandemic in my own ministry. I've seen race riots on the streets of, of Louisville that has torn apart my own community, even fractured my own church in some ways. We saw in, in Washington, D.C., insurrection on the Capitol building, and now we see war in Europe. Two years. Just two years. We live in a world that is chaotic, full of hate, full of storms swirling all around us. We long for a world of peace. But Jesus comes and tells us that the world will hate us, that we will suffer. Many will suffer persecution, that a son will turn against his father, that we'll be despised and hated. So what kind of peace are we to hope for? What kind of peace does the Lord offer us? Augustine said of peace, he says, Peace is a good so great that even in this earthly and mortal life, there is no word we hear with such pleasure, nothing we desire with such zest, or find to be more thoroughly gratifying than the word peace. He wrote that hundreds of years ago. How much of those words still ring true for us? We long for peace. It's not a word that we would readily use to describe the world today. War, disunity, hate, anger. In our workplaces, in our families, in our communities, perhaps from time to time, even in our churches, certainly within ourselves. Conflict seems ever-present. Peace is something we long for, yet rarely experience. So let's see what Jesus comes and teaches us in this story about peace. Look again, Mark chapter 4, pick up verse 35, and just kind of set the scene again. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they, looked, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. First thing you notice there was a calm before the storm emerged. 
Jesus was teaching in Galilee. He'd been on this teaching tour throughout Galilee. Been many crowds have been pressing in against him as he's been teaching. And here we find him teaching on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and a mass crowd had, had gathered so much so it forced him into the boat. He'd been teaching all day. It's the end of a long, long day. He'd been busy doing his mission, his work, proclaiming the kingdom of God. He'd been revealing the power and the majesty of God. He'd been calling on people to trust in God and to repent of their sins. The crowd was so big on that day that Jesus had had to get into a boat just to be heard. By the end of the day, Jesus is exhausted. It's somewhat reassuring to know that Jesus was exhausted. It's somewhat reassuring to know that Jesus needed to escape from the crowd, to get away, to take a break. Maybe you're feeling exhausted this morning. Maybe you're feeling exhausted of, of even the good things that we do. Every time I meet with Scott, he tells me to take a break. Every time I meet with him, he says, slow down. I never listen, and I'm always exhausted. And so, but Jesus, what I want to love about this story, we see the humanity of Christ, and yet the divinity of Christ, so clearly. He was worn out, and he went to get away. So he tells the disciples, get in the boat with me, and they head out into the lake. The only way he could get any peace and quiet was to get away. The disciples are fishermen, so they would have spent a lot of time on that lake, and perhaps he got in one of their boats, a small fishing boat, with just a, a small sail and, and oars to steer them. The Sea of Galilee is known as a beautiful and idyllic place where it, when it was calm, it was a beautiful lake, and yet when it was rough, it could be a deadly place. Quickly, the storms could stir up and whip up the sea into a frenzy because of the winds that would come down from the hills that are surrounding the lake. It would kind of whip it up and stir it up in a moment without a moment's notice. But at this point, as Jesus gets in the boat, it is completely calm. Jesus says to them, let us go to the other side. And so they begin just drifting away. Verse 36, it says, and then other boats are with him. See that? So he gets in the boat. He goes on the lake. It's calm. He's going there to get away from the crowd. But then other boats are with him. They come after him. He can't even get a break. So the, the crowd jumps in their boats and they get after him as well to try to find him where he is. And so, but Jesus just keeps on going. Even when he tries, he can't get away. Many try to follow him. There is there are warning here, isn't there? What are we following Jesus for? Well, these people in the boats, they were trying to get Jesus because they just wanted another show. They didn't see Jesus as a Messiah or as a king or as the Lord. They saw him as a, a celebrity, a magician, some who would entertain them. It's interesting in those moments that Jesus gets away from the crowd rather than draws near to them. Our motivation for coming near to Jesus will reveal a lot about who we are and how Jesus will respond to us. Luke says, as the boat began to sail, 
Jesus falls asleep. He immediately fell asleep. What a picture of humanity. This is one of the reasons why I love this miracle. You see the humanity and he, he just falls asleep. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Jesus is asleep. Just immediately. Puts his head down. He falls asleep. Tired, exhausted, he hits the pillow. It's in many ways a picture of peace. Jesus asleep on this boat. A peaceful scene. Jesus with his friends. Just resting on a boat. As the sun sets, the boat gently glides into the waters. And Jesus is sleeping. I wonder where you go to to get rest. I struggle sleeping. I struggle with a bit of insomnia. My wife, Tracy, does not have that problem. No, she decides when she's going to go to bed at 9 o'clock at night. She puts her head in the pillow and she falls asleep like she has this like, superpower. And then she wakes up whenever she chooses to. Like, it's just incredible. I don't know how she does it. She like, sleeps on command. Um, well, I'm there like, wrestling for the next four hours trying to fall asleep. She just rests. This picture of Jesus just gently sleeping. But then this storm stirs up. Again, verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Verse 37, but a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. So one moment, the boat is just gliding down the, the lake with this kind of idyllic, peaceful scene. Jesus asleep. The, the guys on the boat just having a, a good, relaxing time, just chilling with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, this storm whips up out of nowhere. Just imagine how terrifying that is. A great windstorm arose. And the men, the disciples, just go into this great panic. Well, we all would, wouldn't we? This hurricane, this windstorm, this ferocious storm, whipping them up into a frenzy. It's difficult to convey how terrifying and sudden this event must have been. All of a sudden, the winds came down the hillside, cascading with the cool waters of the lake, stirring up the waters into this deadly frenzy, giant waves crashing onto this tiny little fishing boat, tossing them to and fro. Water smashing over the bow of the boat, filling it faster than they're able to bail the water out. The wind fiercely rushing past them. These men are desperately trying to hold on, preventing themselves from being sucked into the ferocious sea beneath them. Scared, terrified, panicked. Out of nowhere, from the calm of the night, a storm is stirred up. You ever had a panic attack? I have. I suffer sometimes some panic attacks. And it seems like they come out of nowhere. You know, you're just driving along, and all of a sudden, it comes and um, kind of lets you into a, a little secret about me. So I have, I have this, like, phobia of driving over bridges. So it takes me an extra hour to get here because I won't drive over the fourth row bridge. Right? Because there was once, when I drove over that bridge, I had a panic attack. And I thought, literally thought I was going to pass out and fall off the edge of that, that bridge. And so ever since then, I cannot drive over suspension bridges. So every time I fly to a new city, I map the city to avoid driving over bridges. Because I'm afraid, not of the bridge, I'm afraid of the panic attack that happened on the bridge. Right? But what struck me about panic attacks is that they just come out of nowhere. Like when you're least expecting them, they just come out 
And it's like completely irrational. It's like you can't control them. And, and in this moment, you know, these men are just on the boat, happily just kind of gliding along, and out of nowhere, they're whipped up into this state of panic. But Jesus is asleep. He's still sound asleep. You see, this storm didn't come out of nowhere. This storm was a God-ordained storm. God is teaching these disciples a lesson. A lesson about life. A lesson about death. A lesson about peace. The Lord wants to teach his disciples that you can trust me in the storm. What God-ordained storms are you currently enduring in your life? What trials, what struggles are you facing right now? What makes you feel like you're just desperately trying to cling on? Often convinced that we won't make it, panicking, frantic, desperate. Sometimes the storms of life can rise up when we least expect it. One moment we're just gently gliding through our neat, comfortable lives, just happy with Jesus. And all of a sudden, we're tossed to and fro by something that seemed to come out of nowhere. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's crippling debt. Maybe it's a relationship struggle or a temptation to sin that you felt like you dealt with long ago. Raging up within us, this tempest of anger and frustration, self-loathing, doubt, disappointment, bitterness, hate. We're being consumed by the storm. We're desperate for help. Just over a year ago, my life was caught up in a storm. My dad became sick with COVID. My dad, relatively fit, healthy, still going to work every day. And when he got COVID, I didn't think anything of it. And I thought, you know, he'd be fine. So fit, healthy man. And yet within days, I'm in the hospital bed with him as we switch off the ventilator and I watch him take his last breath. And just three days later, I'm performing my own dad's funeral. Nothing prepared me for that storm. Nothing prepared me for dealing with that sense of, of grief, loss, that ache that I'd never felt before. Watching my mom as she was about to enter into her retirement, become a widow. All her years, she'd planned that she would spend the, these next 20 years with her husband. And yet he snatched away from us. And we least expected it. But what was strange in all of that was in the midst of it all, my mom, my brother, and I, we never lost a sense of peace. We always felt the Lord was near to us. He was our guide through it. The church was our comfort. The word provided us strength. Even as we were in the hospital room reading scripture to my dad, I knew that he was slipping away into a place of greater peace. What a comfort that was. An extraordinary comfort that was. You see, I never believed my dad would become a Christian until about 10 years ago when the Lord saved him. The Lord had already saved him from the greatest storm in his life. And then he just 
glided away into glory. And that's the hope that, that I held on to in those dark, disorientating, confusing, chaotic days. Jesus with these disciples in the storm of their life, when they are barely gripping, holding on to their life, he's asleep. There's two things that strike me about that. One is how can Jesus sleep through a storm? And two, how frustrating that must have been for the disciples. How can Jesus just stay asleep through that storm? I mean, that is some divine strength. Go back a few verses. Verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See that picture? The farmer casts the seeds. And then the farmer sleeps. Trusting the Lord is still at work to bring the harvest. The point is that the Holy Spirit comes so that we can find peace even in the midst of the storms of life. And that's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. The storms will come. They will come. Many of you have been through the most horrific storms in your own life. And many of you are going to face storms of unimaginable pain ahead of you. The storms will come. And they will be terrifying. But what Jesus says is that in the midst of the storm, you can find peace. You can find peace. Think back to uh, further up in the parable of the sower. We remember it so clearly, verse 17, chapter 4. Talking about the seed that, that is sown. And he says, and then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown amongst thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of the other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Jesus is still teaching. When the storm arises, that the storms of life can come and choke us and cause us to fall away. Or if we're building a life on solid ground, when the storms of life come, we will still be faithful. And bear much fruit. This storm has come as another lesson about, lesson about the kingdom of God. Those who trust, those who have confidence in the Lord, those who persevere, those who find their resting place in him, they will find peace in the storm and will not fail him. So now Jesus 
is sleeping, but nobody else on that boat is calm in that moment. They are frantic, they are panicking, and we all would be too. Right? They're bailing out the water from the boat. They're trying to survive, and they look at Jesus, and they are astonished. How can this man be sleeping? We need his help. We're desperate for his help. You know, in one sense, they've got to be thinking, get up, get up, man. We need you to bail out the water from the boat. They need his help. In another sense, maybe they're thinking, Jesus, do you even care? Look at verse 38. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? The storm, the storm caused them to, to question even the love the grace, the mercy, and the power of Jesus. Do you care, Jesus? Do you even know what's going on right now? Why won't you just do something to make it stop? Sound familiar? The storms of our life. If we've been tempted to ask Jesus the same questions. Jesus, do you know? Don't you see? Do you care? If you cared, would you not just wake up and make it stop? They're about to die. The boat was sinking. They were going to drown. Jesus, do something. Look, they had seen Jesus do incredible things. They knew Jesus could do something. They needed a miracle or they would die. He was their only hope. Despite the storm stirring up all around them, the question is, do they still have faith in him? Verse 39, and he awoke, and he rebuked the storm, the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. Jesus awakens from his sleep, and with a word, with a word, silence, a command, the winds and the waters obey him. The violent, deadly, terrifying storm calms down immediately. And there was a great calm. Look at the end of that verse, verse 39. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. A great calm. It literally means that there was something extraordinary about this calm. This calm that followed the storm was even more peaceful than the calm that preceded the storm. This was an extraordinary peace. With his words, Jesus brings peace. The water and the wind, they recognize the voice of their creator and they obey him. Nothing, absolutely nothing is outside the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely this man is the son of God. If even the winds and the waters obey him, this is the voice of the one who created them, who caused them to come into being. And so when he speaks, they obey. And so then, what in our world, what in your life, 
What storm that you are enduring right now is out with the power and control of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. There is nothing in your life right now outside of his control. There is nothing in your life right now outside of the power and the control of Christ. The supernatural power of Jesus that is able to speak one word and millions of gallons of water stops moving. He controls it because he created it. He sustains it. He holds all things together. We are not in church. He is. And that's the key to peace. Have you ever felt let down by God? Have you ever gone through a painful experience and asked, God, where are you when I need you the most? Have you ever been tempted to look at the various struggles and trials of your life and become exasperated or discouraged? Like there is no hope. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you watch your child suffer. Maybe brought to your knees by grief. Life can, if we allow it, beat us up and leave us feeling completely discouraged. Yet we read in the promise of the Bible again and again that Christ is our peace. Jesus promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus comes with us into the storm. He says he is the resurrection and he is the life. He will always satisfy. He promises to provide all that we need. He extends his grace to us. He tells us he is our shield, our rock, our hiding place. He is our refuge. Paul says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. But sometimes, sometimes it doesn't always feel that way. But the truth is, no matter the storm that is raging around us, we're more blessed than we will ever deserve. Daily we face trials and temptations and challenges, but God will never forsake us, and he has not forsaken us yet. With the uh, testimony of Joni Erickson Tata, she suffered a horrific accident as a, a young woman and became a quadruple quadriplegic, well, I can't even say the word. Anyway, she can't walk. Um, and she, uh, she said this. This truth set me free, along with other truths, like leaning daily on God's grace and realizing that God's children are never victims. Everything that touches their lives, he permits. The irony is you can't imagine a more victimized person than Jesus. Yet when he died, he didn't say, I am finished, but it is finished. He did not play the victim, thus he emerged the victor. Forget the self-pity. True, your supervisor may be trying to push you out of your job. Your marriage may be a fiery trial. You might be living below the poverty line. But victory is ours in Christ. His grace is sufficient. Know this truth, and it will set you free. This day, Jesus, I can feel sorry for myself, or I can feel victorious in you, show me, Lord, how to choose the latter. The key to an extraordinary peace in this life, the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, that extraordinary calm, is to know who Jesus is. See, what we see next is this picture of peace. The wind ceased, and there's this great calm. And then he says to them, why are you so afraid? 
Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Immediately after the storm has subsided, you have to imagine the relief of these disciples, the exhaustion. They have been bailing water out for, I don't know, minutes, hours. And now the storm has come, this extraordinary calm has come onto the lake. The boat has stopped tossing to and fro. They realize that they're not going to die. But look what it says. But they are filled with fear. After the storm, they're filled with fear. You see, this is the real purpose for this storm. The biggest problem of these men is not the waters crashing on the boat, but it was the faithless men in the boat. You see, they were the ones who were asleep, not Jesus. They were the ones out of touch with reality, not Jesus. They were the ones failing to grasp the seriousness of the danger they were in, not Jesus. Jesus says, why such fear? Why such lack of faith? The whole point of the storm was to drive these men to a saving faith in the work of Christ. They needed a rescuer long before the storm came. The storm they needed to be rescued from was not the wind crashing over the bow of their boat, but the storm from which they needed to be saved from was the fury of the great wrath of God that will come against all of us unless we find our peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has come to save us. Save us from the storms of this life. He's not come to save us from our pity and our struggles. He's come to save us from our sins. He's come to save us from an eternal judgment. He's come to save us from eternal punishment. He's come to save us from a storm that we cannot imagine. Verse 41, and they were terrified. Seems odd, doesn't it? That after the storm is gone and the waters have calmed and the winds have died down, that they are finally saved from drowning, out of danger, and yet here they are on the boat trembling with fear. Why? Because any man who could command the winds and the sea to obey him must be God. They're on a boat with God. John MacArthur says, what's worse than having a storm outside of your boat is having God inside of your boat. That enough is enough to panic you. This man, this man that they are looking at must be God. And he is with them. And who are they? Sinners, weak, feeble, rebellious men who have failed to give glory and the honor to this man, their God. When we encounter the living God, we become aware of the true storm in our lives. The storm of our own rebellion against him. See, it's not the storms of this world that will truly unsettle us, but it's the storm of our soul that will unravel us. And in that moment, these men became aware of their sin. But they became aware of his power. And they were terrified. 
Every, every person in Scripture that becomes aware of the power of God, Abraham, Job, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Peter, James, John, when they encounter the living God, they fall to their knees in fear. You see, the question we should be asking is not, God, can you make the storms in my life disappear? The question we should be asking is this, God, grant me the faith to keep trusting you in the midst of the storms of my life. For you are worthy. You are worthy of my worship, even when the storms rage. That's why Christians still sing in Ukraine this morning. That's why Christians open their homes. That's why a friend of mine, Pastor Evgeny in Moscow, is willing to stand against a regime under the threat of imprisonment because we see Jesus as our God and he is worthy of our worship even in the storm and that is peace. That is the peace he offers us. That is true, lasting, extraordinary peace because if we are truly confident in Jesus, then what can possibly shake that confidence? What can come against us? Philippians 4.4, Paul says it this way, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you always. I pray you know the God of peace. In the storms of your life, he is not sleeping. He is your sovereign God, ruling and reigning. Trust him. Lean on him. Rest in him. Run to him. This is the God of peace who is with us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I know that in this room there are many of us who are, are struggling to experience this peace that you offer us. We're prone to anxiety, to worry, to doubt, to discouragement. We feel exhausted, worn out. Oh, Father, Lord, help us to see Jesus in the storm. Help us to find our rest in him. Help us to cry out to him. And Lord, if there be anyone here that has yet to see and trust in the power of God to rescue them from the storm of their own soul, Lord, bring them to faith. Grant them peace. And Father, who are we that you would be mindful of us? 
Lord, we praise you. We worship you. For you are a good God. Thank you, Father, that you have come to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, in his name.